Jesus is enough. Christ is enough for us. He is all that we need. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Philippians 2, verses 1 to 11. Reading from the NIV. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather than humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used in his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exhorted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, uh, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Go ahead and have a seat. Uh, probably some of you have seen this uh, documentary that came out a couple of years ago on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. How many have seen that? The Social Dilemma. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, in a commentary on the dynamics of social media, uh, you know, and how you know it's helpful, but more so in ways that has been quite destructive um, as well. As well, and uh, the main idea of this uh, documentary is actually looking at this idea that you know social media creates these uh, echo chambers, you know, these worlds, these ecosystems, environments where you only get information that's tailored towards your prejudices, that your prejudices are actually affirmed, you know, wherever you're going. So you'd find yourself having a belief, and therefore you follow people that get the same belief, or you have like pages that have like the same belief, and therefore your prejudices get affirmed, and then uh, Facebook or Twitter or wherever you're at, uh, the algorithm says, oh, Humphreys loves things that are against the COVID job, you know, so that I'm going to get all of the information against the COVID job. Like, this is from the devil. Like, this, you know, that sort of thing, right? So I'm in my own world, and I am believing these things. And I can find, you know, stuff being it, uh, you know, TV programs, you know, affirming my own prejudices and stuff like that. And then there's another one who is like, no, this is fine. It's okay. And they're also finding their own information as well. So then we tend to have a conundrum. Or we have a conundrum at the moment as, uh, you know, in this social media world where as a people we are more connected, but at the same time we are more disconnected. You know, we are like more connected, but at the same time we are very far apart, you know, as a people. Because I'm in my own echo chamber and you are in your own echo chamber. And therefore, before you know it, we're actually going to have these disagreements. There will be disunity. You find yourself like, I cannot believe she believes that sort of thing. I cannot believe he believes. How, how can somebody believe these things, right? 
That's ridiculous. That's not true. How can they believe it? And you find yourself actually growing apart. And in a world where we are even though more connected, yet more disconnected. In a world where we are more connected, yet more afar, uh, there is a core in our lives, and the core is the core to unity. That actually the church needs to be unified. The church needs to be unified. And it's a brilliant picture that Paul actually paints in this passage. However, there are actually hindrances that stand in the way of us pursuing unity or us being of one in spirit and having the mindset of Jesus in our oneness. In our oneness. Now, I want to just mention a couple of hindrances that come. Hindrance number one, when we make our preferences come first above our connection to Jesus. When we make our preferences come first above our connection to Jesus. I want to read verse 2, uh, Philippians chapter uh, 1, verses uh, uh, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, and if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in Spirit and of one mind. Our motivation for unity should never be built on our willingness to be united. Our motivation for unity should never be built on our ability to make unity happen. Our motivation for unity should never be based on our personality. Hey, I'm a people person, so therefore it's easier for me to connect. I am not a people person, so therefore I cannot connect with you. Actually, our motivation for unity needs to be Jesus. Our connection to Jesus, that's what should motivate our unity with one another. Because you and I have been united with Jesus. And because we've been united with Jesus, therefore we could be united with each other. We could be a one. We could have unity in our church, in this community. We could be united because Jesus is. So Paul says, hey, have you experienced Jesus personally? Have you experienced God's love personally? Have you experienced God's compassion and God's kindness? And is the Spirit of God working in your life? It's if He does, then make my joy complete. I want to ask you of this. Be united. Be united. Having the same love. One in spirit. And one in mind. One in mind. And because Paul realizes that if we do not unify ourselves around the name of Jesus, there will be things that will come in the way. There will be things that will come in the way. When our unity is driven by something else other than Jesus, our unity will be superficial. Will be superficial. You know what? It may look like it's good. It may look like it's working, but you realize actually it doesn't. And often we are... Maybe you know, not united because we have left Jesus behind. So Paul says, do not leave Jesus behind. Like he has to be at the center of your unity. Because if you are not can have Jesus at the center of your unity, your unity, it might look like it's working, but actually it's going to be superficial. And you realize that when whatever has been, was unifying you is removed, you realize actually there wasn't unity there at all. When our unity is driven by something else other than Jesus, our unity becomes transactional. 
You know, you're going to get connected to people because they give you something. Or others who get connected to you because you give them something. You know, so we're always like asking, what can I get from this relationship? What can I get from this connection? Does it benefit me at all? The relationship becomes transactional. The unity becomes transactional. It's not really authentic. It's not built on authentic love. Maybe some of you have experienced that. You had a job and had great friends that you go out for dinner with, have drinks with, go to places on vacation with. You lose that job and all your friends disappear, right? Or you had this business and now it's gone and all your friends disappear. And all of a sudden, they seem to be more busier now. Like, what happened? You would drop stuff for me, but you're no longer there, right? It's because this was actually a transaction, you know? You've got, you know, scratch my back or scratch your back, right? That sort of relationship. But that's not what we are called here to do. When our unity is motivated by something else other than Jesus, our unity becomes tribalistic. becomes tribalistic. It's easy for us to be in this church, to be in this community and form our own cliques as well. You know, so I'm just going to connect with people who look like me, people who sound like me, people who smell like me, people who like the same food as me, right? So it becomes, these are my people, my folk. These are the people that I hang out, my boys, my girls, right? Only that. When just not in the center, our unity can become tribalistic. But that's not what Paul is advocating here. He says, you have experienced God's love. You have experienced God's compassion. You have experienced God's kindness. And the Spirit of God is working in you. And because you have, therefore be united with one another. Because if you don't, what's going to happen is that you're going to begin to glorify your preferences above your connection to Jesus. All of us have preferences. Having preferences is not bad. You know, but do not let your preferences come in the way of what's really important. Because sometimes you're going to be like, no, I just like this kind of music. You know, like this morning, fantastic time of worship. Oh, yeah, oh, I love this. This is the stuff I love. This is absolutely amazing. I like this. And then another, another song, like, no, not that one. That's not my cup of tea. The rest of you can worship, but not me, right? Hymns, come on, really? What are you doing? Chichewa, come on, really? Hillsong, do you know what has happened in Hillsong? Bethel, come on, really? What? We can make our preferences come in the way of unity. Oh, I like people to greet me this way. I like to sit here only. Close to a fan, which is a good place, right? I only like when they preach this way and not that way. I only like things happen this way in the church and not that way. And you can easily make your preferences come in the way of what's really important. Community is what's important. And there are times that we sacrifice community at the altar of a preference. But we need to be willing to be like, you know what? I'm going to sacrifice my preferences so that I can be at one. I can be connected. I can be in unity with other believers. Well, that's what Jesus desires for us. That's what Jesus desires for you and me. So it's going to be a hindrance to our unity when we glorify and exhort our preferences above our connection to Jesus. 
We need Jesus to be at the center of our unity. Otherwise, it's going to be all for nothing. Hindrance number two. When our admiration of the gifts Christ gives us come first above our honor for each other. When our admiration of the gifts Christ has given us come first above our honor for each other. Verse 3 says, says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Read that one more time, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Value others above yourselves. You and I live in a world where we say respect is earned, right? In other words, hey, I'm not going to treat you as worth of respect until you prove it to me that you're worth of respect. But that's not God's way. God's way says, no, we need to, be, to bestow honor on other people. Honor is not earned, but given. It's not earned, but given. And we're going to give honor. And we're going to do this well when we do it out of humility. In humility, value others above yourselves. You know, the word, our word of humility comes from a Latin word called Hamas. And Hamas means for the ground. Like for the ground. You know, uh, my lecture uh, said this one time when I was in college, you said, actually it's safer to be on the ground because you know you cannot fall because you're already on the ground, right? And somebody else said, yeah. And in fact, you even have a better view of seeing things from the ground. You know, you're more thankful. You see that everything else is actually given. Now, for you and I, we were made from dust and to dust we're going to go. We are for the ground. And therefore, everything else that we've got is actually God's grace and God's kindness for us. So therefore, we should never glorify the gifts that Christ has given us above our honor for other people, our honor for each other. And to do this well, it means that you need to be, you need to be watchful because your tendency would be to value yourself above other people. But the core in your life is to value other people above yourself. So that means you need to watch out for things that will make you value yourself above other people. You need to watch out for those things. Number one, watch out that you don't make the gifts that God's given you become a measure you use to value other people. The gifts that God has given you should never be the measure you use whether I'm going to value this person or not. God has given you those gifts. Oh, do they even have that kind of gift? No, they don't. No, they don't sing as well as they, that person. They don't dance as well. They don't, you know, don't use the gifts that God has given you as, as a measure whether you're going to value somebody or not. Also, watch out that you don't make the victories that God has given you become the measure you use to value other people. Like the success, the wins in your life. You know, everything that God has given you. Maybe, maybe God has given you a good marriage. Maybe you're winning in your married life. Maybe, you're, maybe you have a great job. Maybe you have a good business. Maybe you have a great school opportunity. A nice car. A nice house. Maybe good money. All of these things are from God. And they should never be used as a measure that we're going to use to value other people or not. And lastly, watch out for gossip. Watch out for gossip. You know that uh, most people that I heard in the church was actually because of gossip. Like most people that have left a church, like, you know, um, 
they were part of this church, but then they got hurt in that church. They actually left. Most people you know, that, we, that we meet even here, most people that we meet, actually it's because of gossip. They shared their story, and then before they knew it, like three other people are talking about it. And they're like, I just shared with this one person. And how come you know, my story is out there, right? And then they got hurt through that. And they're like, I cannot believe they say those things about me. So now they're no longer there. I was reading Hebrew. Hebrews 12 verse 15 says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows to cause trouble and defile many. Like, you know, gossip can be like a root that grows and it causes trouble and it defiles many. How does the defiling happen? You know, if I have a juicy story, you know, about her, right? And then I take it to someone else. Can you believe about Beatrice? You cannot believe what she did. You can, can you believe about Anya? Can you believe about this person? Whoever I'm telling, their image of that person becomes distorted, becomes defiled. That's what happens. So he says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. In other words, do not treat people as though they do not deserve God's grace. And that no bitter root grows to cause trouble and defile many. That you are not the one that's taking this thing, passing it on, defiling, defiling, defiling. You're not. So let's watch out for gossip. This is one of the things that actually distracts unity in the church. Distracts unity in the church. Just maybe a few practical things for you to do that well, uh, as far as gossip is concerned. Like, um, all of us actually, our biggest temptation is that we are targeted to drama. You know, all of us actually, you know, it feels good to hear juicy stories. Like, what? What happened? That's why, like, bad stories go viral, right? Just because we are all attracted to drama. But be careful of your need to get details from a story. And if somebody comes to you and share, uh, like, hey, I've just struggled with a sin this week. Would you please pray with me? For that to be okay, rather than to be like, sin? What kind of sin? So what happened? How did you do it? When? Really? Often details are for gossipers. You know? And watch out, like that need of like, no, I need to get more. I need to get, it's not enough to just hear this. No, I need to get more from it. Like watch out for that. Watch out for it. And also another thing that you could do is um, keep each other, keep other people accountable, but also let yourself to be kept accountable as well when it comes to gossip. You know, somebody tells you a story and you'll be like, hey, thank you for sharing. Did you share this with them? Oh, no. Ooh. Now because you have told me, you know, I don't want to have a distorted view of them. I think you should actually go and tell them. Right? And, and if you don't, I'm not even going to ask for permission. I'm actually going to tell them. So can you go and tell them and give me feedback that you actually told them? Oh, no, I cannot do that. You know what? Actually, I'm going to offer myself as more support. What if we just go together and I'll be there just offering support, right? We need to do this. Yeah? Because if we don't, this is going to ruin this church. Because actually gossip is a form of pride. And actually, it's also a form of running away. You know, you run away from a spotlight. You say, hey, I want to put a spotlight on you, on your bad staff, and then that way it makes you look bad, and I'm good because I'm not on the spotlight. And that's not a way of God. So we need to do this out of humility. No, humility helps you realize that you are blessed and unique. At the same time, 
you're not the only person who's blessed and unique. Right? If you think of yourself as, as a pebble on the beautiful beach of Lake Malawi, a beautiful pebble on the, on the beautiful beach of Lake Malawi, that you see yourself as a pebble, but at the same time you realize that you are not the only beautiful be- uh, pebble on the beautiful beach of Lake Malawi. There are other pebbles, other beautiful pebbles. So therefore we need each other. We could be in unity and humility helps us to actually see that. Humility helps us to do that. Hindrance number three. When our need to be right comes first above our desire to learn to love well. When our need to be right comes first above our desire to learn to love well. Verse four. Verse four says this. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And when it comes to church unity, we will find ourselves, you know, doing things that maybe look good in our own eyes. And we might find ourselves such a doing things not because they benefit other people, but because they benefit us. And sometimes we do that because we forget this one important thing. We forget that we're actually loved by God. And because you forget that you're actually loved by God, you will do things out of a selfish motive because when you do those things, they will help you gain significance or acceptance in a community. You know, people will be like, wow, look at you. But actually, you know, you're already loved by God. You don't need to do anything else to validate that. You are loved by God. And we need to remember that we are actually loved by God. Therefore, we can lay down our own interests. We can lay down our own interests because we know that we are actually loved by God. And when we do that, we're going to avoid this temptation for us to want to be right. And not wanting to learn to love well. You know, when, when you feel the temptation to be right, you're going to run into some temptations. I think the first temptation that I know I see it in my own life is sometimes I think that sin is more prominent. Sin is more prominent in other cultures than in my dominant culture. When you go to a different culture, a different context, what's going to happen is that you will see the things that are wrong in that culture clearly. If you have come from elsewhere to Malawi, you're going to see a lot of things that are wrong with Malawi. Because some of us are used to it. And be like, what? Is that a wrong thing? Really? I didn't even know. When you go to Zimbabwe, you're going to see more wrong things with Zimbabwe. When you go to America, you're going to see like, wow, these guys. I cannot believe they live like, like this. I just got a call this week from a young girl who came from our church. They went to the UK and they're like, I cannot believe how crazy young people here are. You know? It's become very clear when you're in a different context. And sometimes you can feel like your, your culture is, is, is fine, is right, is perfect than, the, than the, the other culture. But actually it's not. We all need Jesus. Amen? Another temptation is that my perception is right. And their perception is wrong. Like, I've got it right. You know, but theirs, come on now. They, they don't see it, right? They don't see it. That's your need to be right. Another temptation there is like, my prejudices are justified and their prejudices are more sinful. 
their praises are more sinful. You know, like um, there, there's, uh, I think in psychology, this is called the fundamental attribution error, where you judge other people based uh, on their actions, but you judge yourself based on your intentions. You know, so like when, when, you, when you see somebody like taking you over on the road, like recklessly they, ta- they take you over, you know, and you're like, what? What an idiot, you know, like you say that, right? And you wish you could even get out of your car like running after them, right? Remember this other day somebody took me over and I saw a truck coming from afar. I was like, I wish it was a bit closer, you know? I'm sinful, I'm sorry. You know? But then when I take over recklessly, guess what I tell myself? I'm running to a meeting. I need to be there. I need to get there. Because I will judge other people based on their action, but I judge myself with my own intentions. You know? My intentions are good. I did that, but hey, there's this important thing that I'm doing. Right? Our temptation to be right will cause us to fall in these portholes. Fall in these portholes. All right, quickly, how can we practice this? In our pursuit of unity, we will find out that actually, you know, people fall short and, and uh, people are not perfect, you know. And, and what's going to help us to actually continue to pursue unity in there is, number one, to remember that God's work is ongoing. God's work is ongoing. Like, you know, God continues to work in our lives. The reality is that you were saved, but also you continue to be saved and you will be saved. The reality is that you were redeemed, but you continue to be redeemed and you will be redeemed. Like God continues to do work in our lives. I'm still working in progress. They're still working in progress. So therefore we'll find all of these things in people's lives that are really like, come on, I cannot believe they do that. I cannot believe they say that. I cannot believe they see things that way. But we're united because of Jesus, not because they are perfect. Not because they've got it all together, but because of Jesus. And God's work is still ongoing in their life. God is still doing things in their life. God is still doing in my life. So remember that God's work is ongoing. Number two, keep walking in the light. Keep walking in the light. I think it's John who says, First John chapter 1, he says that if we say that we have fellowship with one another, but then we walk in, the, in darkness, we tell a lie. Because... The idea is that when you walk in the light, when you're walking in the light and I'm walking in the light, we don't even even need to say we are together. We are already together. We are already having fellowship with one another because we are walking in the light. So let's pursue to walk in the light. And in case you are there like, oh man, I am failing to walk in the light. The good news is that Jesus is the light and he welcomes you even now. Amen. Number three, lastly, keep responding to God's activity in your life. Keep responding to God's activity in your life. As we were talking about unity, maybe you have something with somebody in this church. Maybe you need to actually apologize to somebody. Are you willing to respond to God's work in your life around that? Maybe God is saying, hey, actually maybe you need to apologize. Maybe you need to forgive them. Are you willing to do that? Keep responding to God's activity in your life. Because unity is actually important. Unity is needed. Why? We are more of a church when we are together than when when we are apart. You know, the pictures of a church in Scripture, you know, Scripture will say you are the temple. Like the church is never by one person. Like you are the temple. You are the temple. You are the family. You are the body. 
you are the salt of the world. Now, one brick cannot build a temple. We need a lot of bricks to build a temple. We need each other. A family is not just about one person. A group of people together, united. A body is not just made of one thing. Now, salt, one grain of salt will never make a difference. Actually, you feel nothing. You need a bit more to make a difference in the world. So we are more of a church and we can have more impact when we are together, when we are united as a church. Number two, healing happens in the body rather than outside of it. Healing happens in the body rather than outside of it. And I'm wearing these nice shoes. I'm actually putting up as a, this, a, there's a guy in this church who made these shoes. His name is Eric. Eric, are you here today? No? All right. He's in youth. Okay, he's teaching youth. Yeah, look, he's even, he says, wow, Eric, amazing. And he builds these amazing shoes. Like, you know, uh, some of you, like, you go to the market, you cannot find your size. Like, he'll make, he'll tell a make, you know, something for you. Absolutely brilliant. My shoes are made out of leather. You know, leather, before it became here, you know, was actually skin of an animal. If I would, if I would like, tear my shoe at the moment, I'll take it back to Eric, you know, to put it together. But when leather was on the skin and there was a tear on the skin, you know where healing is going to happen? It's going to be in the body. And even if you take that animal to the vet, the vet will give the animal something to help the body heal itself. That's what they're going to do. It was actually healing, you know, happens in the body. If, if Eric sews my shoes, I'm not going to say my shoe has been healed. No, no, no. You can only say that about the body, that there's been healing and healing happens in the body. When you take yourself outside the body and you're broken, you're never going to find healing. You need to be a part of the body. We need to be united to experience healing. We need it. So healing happens in the body, not outside of it. And whatever you're going through, you need the body. And lastly, God's kingdom is more at work in unity. God's kingdom is more displayed in unity. Because in unity, we're going to love each other. And guess what? Jesus says, they will know you that you are my disciples because of the love that you've got for each other. And the world is going to get attracted to God's kingdom. Just imagine, in a world of echo chambers, in a world where we are more connected yet more disconnected as well, in a world full of different opinions, in a world of differences, how, what difference would it make to have a community that's loving, to have a community that's united? I'm not talking about sameness. I'm not talking about not having different views. That's not unity. But actually us being united in our compassion, us being united in our love, us being united in our kindness, what difference can that make to this divided world? And I think Jesus want to do work in this country, in this city. And he's going to use us. He's going to work in us and through us. Are we willing to be united? Because we will stand when we are united. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you. For actually, unity is made possible because of Jesus. Jesus has called us and he wants us to be united. 
because he has made it possible for us to be united with the Father. And out of that, God, I pray, may you help us as your people to pursue unity because of Jesus, to pursue unity because of God, to pursue unity because of God's Spirit who is at work in our lives, because we have experienced compassion, because we have experienced love, because we have experienced kindness, and therefore we can be at one. I thank you, Lord, for this is your heart. And may we lean more towards your heart than anything else. In the name of Jesus, amen. May we stand as we worship God one more time.